Hey everybody, welcome to the Chamber Channel's Five Questions podcast. This is the place where we take a deep dive with industry leaders for an inside look at their world and how they can make a difference in yours. We're talking today with the leaders of an organization that is doing amazing work with military veterans. It's a sobering statistic to think that 22 veterans succumb to suicide every day in the United States. There's an organization in the Low Country that has dedicated its mission to helping veterans find camaraderie and community. We sat down today with Operation Patriots FOB founder, J.R. Brown, and board member Joe McNamara, both former Marines, to talk about their goals and how the community can help make a difference. This question is really for both of you. You know, JR, tell me a little bit about your background in military, military service, you as well, Joe. Okay, um, so I was in the delayed entry program in 2001 as a senior in high school. Um, and then we all know what happened on 9-11. Um, and two months later, I shipped out to boot camp, Paris Island. Um, and I, I got to be honest, I, was, I didn't fall in love with this area immediately because I didn't get to see the area. I just saw Paris Island and I couldn't wait to get off that island. Uh, but I uh, went through boot camp. Um, after boot camp, I went to uh, MCT up in North Carolina at uh, Camp Lejeune. After that, I went to military police school. Um, while I was there, I was a squad leader and I was put on a uh, board for K-9 and I won that board. And then I went to uh, Lackland Air Force Base for K-9 training, which I had the best job in the Marine Corps. I got paid to play with dogs every day. I truly did. And I got to deploy with my best friend. And it was just amazing. Um, so uh, after that, lo and behold, where do they send me? My first duty station back to Paris Island. <laughs> and uh, I went to Paris Island. I was there for about two and a half years, but really, you know, I, I first started off with a nar narcotics detection dog, Rico, MWD Rico. We went down to the Mexican border, uh, El Paso, Juarez area. Uh, we were down there for about three and a half months and found a couple million dollars worth of narcotics while we were down there. And then Iraq kicked off. So when I, I uh, came back uh, to Paris Island, I switched from a narcotics dog to a uh, explosive detection dog, MWD Benny, and I, I deployed with 1st Battalion, 2nd Marines uh, to Iraq in Iskandaria, Musayi, Mamadiya area. I was there for about nine and a half months. Uh, when I returned home, it was June of 2005. I had every intention on re-enlisting and making a career out of the Marine Corps. I knew I was going to redeploy here quick, fast, and in a hurry. A small little company called Blackwater had just got their billion dollar Department of State contract and they recruited me pretty heavily. Uh, all they had to do was guarantee me air conditioning, running water, a toilet. Do the things you <laughs> internet, had had. Yeah. Correct. And, and then on top of it, they paid us very well. So uh, I, I jumped ship from the Marine Corps, got out um, November of 2005 and then I was right back in Iraq early 06 with Blackwater. Now, I think I met, you still have a canine, right? Is that Rico that you have or who do you have now? Uh, Last time you were here, you had, we, you brought your dog as well. A dog came with you. So that was really neat for our board to see and experience you with that. I do. I have, I have two service dogs right now, really. I've got a, um, um, a black German Shepherd that's two years old uh, that is going to be part of our program moving forward. And if we get into that, um, and then I've got, uh, I believe I brought, um, uh, um, yeah, Amy. Uh, oh, yeah. Maya. <laughs> Maya, that's right. You brought Maya. Maya. Yeah. yeah, it was a big hit for us. How about you, Joe? Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, a little bit different, uh, a little bit later time than, than JR um, as he went through. But I, I matriculated at Virginia Tech. Um, it's, it's in the senior military college there in the Corps of Cadets. 
through the Navy Marine Corps ROTC programs there. Um, and so my my experience and my timeline, I guess you can look at it as good or bad. I was raised, I don't think it's good, but I was raised by all of the OIF-1 veterans that have come through. So uh, the good side of that is you get all the real-time you know, knowledge that comes with that, the experience that comes with that, the bad side is that is it makes our training really, really difficult compared to what had had been going on um, because these guys had seen the the levels that uh, in, in war and combat, what they've come through and they understood the severity that comes with and the, the responsibility that comes with building our nation's next generation of warriors. And so I went through that process. Um, and then upon upon graduating, I commissioned in in, in the Marine Corps and all of my training, other diff, different than JR, which all his stuff's at Paris Island, um, <clears throat> all of the officer training is up in, and the pipeline is up in Quantico, Virginia. So spent a lot of time up there um, through our our program at TBS and then and stayed right there for infantry officers course and, and graduated through all those things and, and pumped out to uh, 2nd Battalion, 3rd Marines out in Hawaii as an infantry officer and platoon commander. So we went, um, <clears throat> 3rd Marines out there is the most highly deployed regiment in the Marine Corps. So as soon as we walked out there, our timeline was the second surge. So I think it was a surge in Iraq. My timeline was the surge for Afghanistan. And so as soon as we checked in, uh, picked up my platoon, straight into a workup um, and over into Helmand Province, Afghanistan in that surge in 2009 timeframe up to Nauzad. Spent a good portion of time out there, just us and the enemy, um, very kinetic deployment uh, on that first deployment where we were going. Mostly uh, different than Iraq, where there was a lot of um, much different battle than, than Iraq. And in, in Afghanistan, we, we, we just faced so many more uh, or the, much, the, the most signific- more significant threat in Afghanistan was the mines and the IEDs compared to Iraq. Um, <clears throat> and so that was the, the first deployment there came right back. Picked up a new group of guys, um, moved over as the XO uh, in, in, in Segment Italian, 3rd Marines there. Did another six or seven month workup and straight back into Helmand Province um, in 2010, 2011 timeframe. And uh, while we were in there, I got orders like JR. I'd never been to this area. I got orders to Paris Island. So <laughs> ended up coming down to this area and was a, a commander over in 3rd uh, Recruit Training Battalion on Paris Island for three and a half years. Uh, did 10 and a half cycles there which just was fortunate enough to meet some incredible um, Marines because it's really a melting pot. I mean, the infantry, you've got everybody that speaks your language, does your thing. They all have the same military occupational specialty there at Paris Island. You're grabbing Marines that have all different types of backgrounds and getting able to, to lead them and kind of forge through that. So I spent three and a half years there working with them um, and then ultimately made the decision to transition out of the Marine Corps uh, after that and try to pay that forward going into these things. So so tell me, JR, tell me about, let's talk about the nonprofit. Let's talk about what you're doing and why you're doing it. And quite frankly, let's explain to people. A lot of people don't know. We, we, we call it short OPFOB, Operation Patriot, FOB. What does that mean? What does FOB mean? So a FOB is a forward operating base. Okay. So Operation Patriot's FOB, OPFOB, just like you said. Um, what we are is we are a low country veteran active duty and first responders as of this last year and their family outreach program where we provide almost 300 acres of recreational therapy at zero cost for all of them to come out and do. So we've got rifle and pistol ranges. We have a sporting clays course. We do a lot of hunting. Uh, we get around on side by sides and go mudding and just trail riding. We go for walks out in the woods, take our dogs out. Um, 
But most importantly, what we're trying to do is provide a place for like-minded individuals to come together and build that camaraderie that a lot of us miss the most when we, our service ends or we return home from war, which we think contributes a lot to the suicide rate that we're dealing with. Um, it's a huge problem on average. We're losing anywhere from 22 to 44 veterans a day to suicide. Let me say that again, 22 to 44 veterans a day are making that ultimate decision to end their life. That's staggering. It That's is. a staggering statistic. I mean, I've read stats that talk about how we've lost more to suicide than we did Significantly in combat. Significantly more. And more. between uh, in the global war on terrorism, so 2001 till even today, we still have troops deployed all over this world doing a lot of things that we won't ever know about, but they're keeping us safe. Um, we've lost over 32,000 veterans to suicide where on both battlefronts, uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, we've lost just over 7,000 in battle. So it's, 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 it's ridiculous. It's unacceptable to guys like Joe and I and to our community. And we want to do everything that we can to reduce that number. So that's what we're doing at OpBomb. We bring veterans out. We bring first responders out and their families. And we sit around the bonfire and we just start opening up. And we're a recreational playground out there. But what we do is, and the veterans don't really know it, once you get them out there and, you know, the nerves come down, everybody gets relaxed, you know, that this guy was, was deployed around the same time, you know, some of the same people you served with, you start peeling the layers back a little bit. All right, well, what do you really have going on? And then we partner up. We're not a one-stop shop. We partner up. We've got about six or seven organizations that we work with directly that we've personally vetted. So if we have a veteran that comes with us with a, a legal issue or an educational issue or drug and alcohol issue, we've got resources that we actually refer them out to. And our primary mission is just truly to provide a culture where we can lean on each other when times get tight. Because I don't care if you're a veteran or a civilian, life just gets rough sometimes. And you need to have your faith in people that you can lean on to get through those. And, and that boils down to what we're really trying to provide out at OpFob. So how'd you get involved with OpFob? Yeah, very good question. But um, <clears throat> through a mutual friend connected me with JR. And um, I had when I'd gotten out, I just a lot of the same things JR talked about were on my heart and trying to figure out how can we work through some of these things? How can we solve some of these issues? Um, and I was and I was trying to craft in my next chapter of, of how I'm going to go through that, as I believe that, you know, it's our responsibility to be good stewards of the opportunities and the experiences that the Lord's provided us. And so as I looked at that, I said, we've got just a unique background and unique experience that not everybody's gone through, but it's a relatable experience to the people in our world. And guys are really struggling with the transition. And so when I first met JR, I explained to him that his company that I was building, part of what I wanted to do was have a, you know, a nonprofit arm to do exactly what JR had created at OpFob. And so when, when he came to me and we were talking and we met the first time, I said, hey, He's he's already put the foundation to this thing. He's already running and gunning with it. With his, he's got a, him and Stephanie both have a big heart, great vision for this. What they were doing, it doesn't make sense for me to build another one out there. Said, how can I help? How can I serve? How can I support? And just kind of be a force multiplier for for Jr. And I think it's been a, um, you know, again to this day starts to become a, a charitable arm for some of the things that I do that we're able to push back through there. And um, I'm such a believer in there are a lot of different resources out there and everybody may be a little bit different. This is the only thing that I think is, or this is the number one thing that I think is most, most effective programming stuff out there. People talk to a lot of different folks. 
They, they, they try to throw medicines at you. They try to throw different therapies at you, but there is just something significantly different about having a conversation with somebody who is in a fighting hole, just like you. And it's not just our generation. It's probably, if there's, if there's a, one of the biggest surprises that has come out of my experience out at the FOB is, has been the relationships with a lot of the Vietnam and Korean War veterans that are out there. Staggering amount, arguably more Vietnam veterans out there than GWAT. And their mentorship to our generation, um, their brotherhood and their selflessness to kind of wrap their arms around, you know, our generation and walk through this process with us has been that that impact, I think, I don't think it's fully been felt yet or realized yet. And so seeing that and watching that grow is there's nothing I won't do for JR and, and for the FOB as we continue to build this and grow this because it's it is what is what our veterans need. Well that's an interesting perspective. I'm sure they bring a perspective to what you're doing and, and with the shared experience that you've all had, but in a different time frame, a different context. How have, do you see that? And like you said, you're, you're bringing people together and it, it's a little disarming. It's a little in a, in a setting that helps them open up. Tell me how you've seen that have an impact on veterans. Um, you know, one of the biggest stats that we have that we're super proud of, uh, but we're a little hesitant on, you know, sharing it because the, statistically we don't know how long it's going to run, but we're proud to say that we've had over 2,500 veterans, active duty, first responders, and uh, their families come through the gate, and we haven't lost one to suicide yet. That's incredible. We haven't lost one yet. Now, again, with the statistics as crazy as they are, you know, it's just in our in our mind as Marines always thinking worst case scenario, you know, we hope that it doesn't happen, and we're going to continue to drive forward, but it does scare us a little bit. So on a daily basis, we see it out there. You know, one thing I just want to touch on that uh, Joe was talking about with the Vietnam veterans, you know, we all saw the debacle over a year and a half ago of us exiting Afghanistan and the complete, <laughs> unmost tactical, uh, tactful way that we could. Well, we had droves of Vietnam veterans reaching out to us because they were seeing on the TV screen what they saw in 75 when we were exiting Vietnam. And they reached out and just said, hey, we need to start a warrior night or a coffee hour so we can embrace these Afghanistan and Iraq veterans and let them know that their service was not for nothing and that there are other veterans and, and civilians out there that truly appreciate it. And now you're talking about a generation that went to war that uh, half of them didn't even want to go. They were drafted, but they still did what they thought that they needed to do for their country and went over there and came back to a country that couldn't have been worse to them. Our country has a black eye on how we treated our Vietnam veterans. So now you fast forward and you see all the, you know, different organizations and, and the support that all of our, our GWAT, Global War on Terrorism, you know, after 9-11, this country came together and really supported our military and our veterans. And the Vietnam veterans could have looked at that and said, what the heck, you know, we got screwed then, now we're getting screwed now. They took it the exact opposite way. They're like, okay, we've got this experience. We've went through the last 40 years of being home uh, out of uh, uh, Vietnam. Now let's let's embrace these veterans and let them know that we're here to support them in any way and share our wisdom and experiences, life experiences that they've went through. Whether it's talking about 
owning a business or whether it's talking about dealing with some alcohol or drug issues or just family issues or, or spiritual. There's a lot of different things that the, the Vietnam veteran community has has brought to the table for OpFob that has made OpFob what it is. Well, you recently had a pretty unique event, I thought, for Vietnam vets. Talk a little bit about that, about the the what what happened out there with so many vets. We did. Um, so we had uh, approximately 500 uh, people show up um, on uh, the 50th anniversary of all combat troops leaving Vietnam. And we wanted to throw a big celebration for a lot of these guys and gals because they've been huge supporters. So we were honored to have uh, a local um, uh, General um, Fig Newton, uh, four-star general in the Air Force, come out. And then General Boomer, uh, who was an assistant commandant in the Marine Corps, led all Marine forces through the Gulf War, the first Iraq War, as our guests of honor and our speakers. And, you know, when we got done with the ceremony, there were so many Vietnam veterans, and they still do, like I keep running into them here and there, that almost get teary-eyed a little bit and say, I've never been to a Vietnam parade or a function or anything, but I knew what you guys are doing out here, and we wanted to come check it out. And hands down, it was one of the best things that they ever went to. And it, it, it almost, it, they almost felt some healing from it. And they saw that even though we're different ages and there's, there's a good age gap in between our generation and their generation, as young as we are, we still understand, especially because we've been on that battlefield. And we, I couldn't imagine coming home to a country that didn't appreciate what we did. It was the exact opposite for us. You know, a lot of people wanted to embrace us. So for them to have that attitude and bring it to the table, it just, it's been phenomenal, and we were honored to honor them um, and, and have a big party for them out there. That's awesome. Joe, I don't know that a lot of people really completely understand the impact that being deployed has on a family, whether it's your mother, your father, your brother, your spouse, whatever it is. Talk a little bit about that, your thoughts on that and, and experiencing that. And then, <laughs> that's, I think that's a, uh, that's a, it's a great question, and it's one that, you know, I don't, I don't know that we're able to even speak on that because we are so as much as we have our experiences, that's one that I would still sit here and tell you, I don't know, 10, 12, 13 years later, I don't know what it was like back here for, you know, my family and what they went through. And we've had conversations going through that, but that's, that's kind of the interesting dynamic, right. Of being deployed is we like to focus on our, the veterans experience in combat and doing the different things here and there. But we often, and that's one of the things that I love about the FOB is it's not just about the vets, it's about their families as well, because our spouses go through the same things of talking about that. I don't know what it was like. My wife can sit there and tell you about, they were hearing things. We didn't have a very good communication <coughs> back then. And the, she was watching, you know, the knocks on the doors on base, right. And seeing things on the base newspaper about what was happening to us. Um, I think, in a seven and a half, eight month deployment, I think we spoke seven times, right? So there's, she had her own challenges, her own battles to fight back here alone that, and, and, and kind of going through that, that, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't there fully to, to understand that. But I, so I think it is important side that that's the other side of the vets. It's what's going on back at home. And I think it's, it, while it can be a different challenge, I think it can be, it's no less challenging than necessarily what we went through. Um, and that's why we are intentional about 
bringing the families out to the fob as well and allowing the, the wives to sit and talk because those, those cross, the cross pollination of those stories provide a level of healing that I would say JR and I aren't maybe not in the best position to walk them through that, but Stephanie may be to help my wife with something or one of the other spouses can come out and, or the Vietnam spouses are, are heavily involved and they can come out and walk through that as well. So I, I just think it's a different dynamic that the that short answer to that is, I don't know, <laughs> um, because we weren't here and it is, it creates an interesting process on the back end that we kind of have to walk through that over the years as we go through it. Well, and it is then, something up Bob does. Uh, Bob does work with families, correct, JR? Oh, 100%. Yeah. When, he, when we started this and I wish Stephanie could be here, she is the brains of the operation. Um, you know, we we saw the need for setting up what we set up and almost instantaneously she realized after speaking to another combat spouse where they were able to open up to each other and talk for the first time. And Stephanie was like, I have never talked to anybody about what she had to deal with when I came home from war. You know, that's a different thing. You know, uh, you're, you leave your spouse or your partner and you go away and all they can do is they can't wait until you get back. They can't wait to have the Joe back and the JR back. Well, unfortunately, we're not the same Joe and we're not the same JR when we come home. So it's trying to figure out that happy medium of, of making that that still work. Um, you know, I, I'll I'll share with you that you know, what the spouses go through when we come back and we're struggling, they're struggling just as much. Um, one evening um, when my wife was eight months pregnant uh, with our first child, um, I was going through the VA for, for help. They had me on about nine different medications. Um, I was abusing hard alcohol at the time. I was just trying to forget as much as I could and numb as much as I could. Well, I don't remember what happened throughout the day. Um, but I vividly remember um, looking in my wife's eyes while she's wrestling a shotgun out of my hands um, while I was trying to, to hurt myself. And um, she was able to, I went to bed um, and I woke up that next morning and I, it just finally hit me like a ton of bricks. God forbid if something would have went, uh, that, that firearm would have went off, hurt my wife, my unborn child, you know, it wasn't just about me at that time. It was about the, my family. So, and I don't suggest any veteran does this, but for me, I had to take every pill bottle that the VA gave me and I threw in the garbage and I stopped drinking for many years and I just needed to try to get my head squared away and my heart squared away on my own. And it was, it was tough. Uh, for five, six months, I went through withdrawals of those medications where I couldn't feel my face. Like my, my, I couldn't taste anything. My lips would tingle. Um, but I got through it and it was because of Stephanie and she saw like, okay, you know, this was a bad day, but he wants to get better and he wants to try to figure out how to help himself, which is going to help the family. And, um, but without, without my wife, you know, there's a good chance that I wouldn't even be sitting here having this conversation with you right now. So, to say that family is a big part of our veteran community is an understatement. They're the backbone of our veteran community. Wow. What What's next for OpFob? What's coming up for OpFob? And honestly, the big question is, how can people help? How can they get involved? Um, so we've got a lot of different things going on. We are kicking off our 22 days of Light the Fire. It's our third annual. Um, so we came up with the idea the first year. Again, sitting around that bonfire at the end of the day is where most of us get more therapy than talking to a civilian doctor or the VA. So what we decided to do was light a fire 
And for 22 days straight, we man that fire 24-7 where we bring out different organizations. We bring out different companies and individuals to sponsor us, different veterans. And we sit around the fire for 24-7 and, and what we call it in the military, a fire watch. So we're getting ready to kick that off. Um, we've got Ryan Rogers coming down um, on Saturday to, to go through the ceremony and light the fire. He wrote a, a book that did really well. It's called The Lions of Marja, um, which actually uh, a lot of the guys that Joe served with and he served with, there's a lot of cross-pollination right there um, with their Afghan tours. So we're going to kick that off. And then what we do is, you know, we're trying to raise awareness about veteran suicide. But Memorial Day is a sacred day. That's a day that we honor our brothers that didn't come home, um, you know, and, and were killed in the line of duty. And we actually take the embers from that fire and we take it to a huge bonfire that we have in the back where, I mean, this thing is probably, you know, half the size of this building. And uh, we light that on fire. And then we have a big celebration where we have some bounce houses out there and, you know, we get some music going and we've got the families out there. And, and we just we honor our brothers and sisters. So we've got that coming up. Um, and then shoot, we're, we're every month we've got something going on. Yeah. If people want to, if people want to donate, if people want to give, how can they do that? Can they do that online? They can, they can go to our website. It's, uh, opfob.org, O-P-F-O-B.org. And we actually kicked off a campaign this past month at the air show that we were just talking about, um, where we're trying to get people to donate. You know, we, 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 the community has really embraced us and the community foundations and individuals have really supported us. But getting this chunk of money here and then this month you're not getting much and then getting another chunk, it, it's, it can get stressful on us. So we're actually trying to get people to donate a measly $22 a month towards our organization. And what we are, we've got really good partners, uh, great partners with Daniel Defense, and they gave us a couple um, rifles that we're actually raffling off once we hit 1,000 people to sign up for 22 months, uh, $22 a month. When we hit that thousand mark, we're actually gonna raffle off out of those thousand a rifle. But if we can get people to you know, donate that $22 a month, it gives us recurring dollars that we can guarantee are going to be there. And it just, it takes a little more pressure off of us having to continuously do events and continuously write grants and spend energy and, and time doing that, where now if we have the continuous money coming in, we can focus more on the programs and enhancing more programs and bringing in more veterans and, and doing what we truly set out to do. Well, gentlemen, thank you for your service. Thank you for being on our podcast and we can't wait to help you spread the word. Well, thank you, ma'am. We appreciate all the support that the chamber has done for us and, and the entire community. So thank you. Thanks everyone for listening. The podcast continues to grow and never miss an episode of our five questions podcast by subscribing to the chamber channel on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Take a moment to download, subscribe, and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people.